point though, just for my own knowledge here, where is this? Where is it? Like, where's the podcast go to? Like, where oh, is it hosted? Sure, sure, sure. Um, as soon as uh, we go live, it goes live on Facebook and uh, and a website called Hear This At. Um, it's kind of like a SoundCloud website, but it just so happens to do live uh, live audio. It has live audio features. And then after the live portion's done, um, I upload to a, w a website called Anchor, and they distribute it to Google, iTunes, Spotify, all of the major podcast platforms. Oh, okay, cool. Yeah, and then I'll, I'll show you the links uh, for the main, the like the iTunes and the Google Play and the Spotify links after it's all uploaded. Sounds good. All right, so here we go. I'm gonna go live on Facebook. It's gonna be a brief moment of silence, and then I'll come back in and uh, and introduce the podcast and everything. Sounds good. All right, cool. Here we go. Hello, this is Trent Knox with Austin Live and Local. This is live in the ATX with Landfest, uh, Representative Chris Grassel. Uh, would you introduce yourself, Chris Grassel? Hey, mate. Um, I'm actually local here in San Marcos. I run the local chapter of Landfest, uh, Landfest Austin. We do an event every year out of the Intel campus. Um, so, go to the scene and I also work a little bit with DreamHack here and there. Awesome. Um, so I grew up here in in the Austin area, and um, I didn't know anything about the about the local esports um, environment. But I've been told as uh, uh, that it's been growing for quite some time. When did you get into the scene? So um, in about 2013, 2014, I don't remember exactly when there. Uh, I was at UT. Um, involved in the TESPA organization and I got a, they sent out a, like a document that says, hey, sign up to help out with uh, South by Southwest. Um, at that time, Landfest was running the gaming uh, free play for South by. So I came by and uh, got very excited about it because I'd been doing the sort of events previously. And from there, it was just grew. Um, got involved in the local chapter as well as working on our national org because um, we're a massive organization. I think we're at 18 chapters now, uh, which is 18 cities all across the United States, each running lands from sizes of 100 man I think we lost you for a second there, Chris. Uh, you were you were talking about a hundred man lanes. People, um, have good experiences as well as making money for charity. Uh, oh, ch the, yeah. I, we lost you for a second there, Chris. Uh, you you dipped out. Hmm. Are you there? Yeah. No, I I can hear you now. Okay, that's a bit odd. Um, where did you lose me? Uh, you said that uh, Landfest, a hundred man. Uh, 
Uh, so we ran 100 man lands uh, up to uh, 638 for our largest chapter at Netwar. Oh, okay. Uh, Omaha, Nebraska. Oh, wow, okay. Um, so it, it's, it's kind of creation with those 18 chapters, each of which is creating unique gaming experiences for people while raising money to for charity, which the other cool part of it is, is that each of our particular chapters uh, pick the charity that's important to them. Awesome. So uh, what are some of the charities that have been uh, benefited from the Austin uh, chapter? Um, so for this year, um, we're really being working with Able Gamers, and there might even uh, send some people over. Um, in previous years, we were working with um, Operation Supply Drop, because uh, okay. those guys are amazing blokes. Um, they actually came by to each of our lands, um, although I believe they have split off into two separate charities, so we're waiting for them to figure themselves out before we get back involved with them. Um, so there, there's a lot of really great options out there. Um, Operation Supply Drop, if you didn't know, um, they what they do is they build like gaming kits, kits to send out that are like in like hard boxes, so they can be you know out in the desert and stuff for uh, our troops overseas, um, which is amazing because it's a super important thing for keeping morale up. Definitely, definitely. Um, while able people who are not uh, able to use a standard keyboard or mouse and controller, people who may have muscular dystrophy or something that uh, that impairs their ability, but we experience. Uh, and so there's just a lot of out there, and it and that's need for charity. It's tough to pick one because there's so many. Yeah. Still yeah, I think we lost we lost you for a moment there. Um, I'm hearing some clicking, but I'm not hearing any sound there. Yeah, we uh, I I lost your 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 voice chat there for a second. It uh, it had disconnected for a minute. Um, so with this uh with this event, uh, can you give us some details? I know it's on August twenty fourth, right? Correct. Yeah. So uh, August twenty fourth through twenty sixth. Um. Uh, we were at the Intel campus, so it's, you know, you just rock up. It's, they got a whole big parking lot um, where we have kind of finished their day of work. So we're pretty, we start up about 7-ish. Mm -hmm. If you want to come up an hour early to help us set up, that's great. We, we'd appreciate it. Um, you bring your computer. Um, we're going to have some tournaments there running throughout the weekend. Um, and we do have a significant amount of sponsors, so we usually have a big pile of prizes to give away. Um, and what we usually do with those raffle ticket into, excuse me into the giant pile of prizes um so there's things like video cards motherboards uh we get pretty good ssds from intel every year um those were usually the 512s mm -hmm. as honestly like <laughs> i wish i could win some of that stuff but you know you got to be impartial so th there's a lot of really cool stuff plus it's the old school land environment we you know we'll sit down in a group of 
hundred people and play some tournaments. You know, we have it, it's overnight, so it's like sometimes at midnight, someone's like, "Hey, I feel like playing Quake Live," and just ten people go and play Quake Live. Or oh, yeah. um, uh, another real big popular thing is the I don't know if you've heard of the Jackbox games. Yes, uh, we chuck that up on a TV, and they play like Quibbage and all those fun little games. It's just something. It's a good time to hang out with some people uh, for a couple of days and just like relive that land party thing that you had as a kid. At least I did. I, I love it every year because it just makes 50 new friends. Yeah, it's great times. Um, can you talk about, like, the origin of the event? Who, who begun the LandFest? So LandFest started off in um, the Intel campus, I believe, up in Washington, which was just a whole bunch of Intel employees that wanted to play video games on a lunch break. Uh, that grew to the point where they were having big LAN events that where it was – you know, they would have a the Intel kind of cafeteria and have a weekend where a whole bunch of people would come in. From there, Intel had, you know, great groups of people doing this across the country. And now Intel is still our biggest sponsor, but we're our own organization. Um, so we have, like, the benefit of Austin, and mm -hmm. we're very thankful to Intel for this because they let us use our, their venue. But not all of our uh, chapters run out of an Intel campus. Like NetWar, for example... They outgrew their um, outgrew anything an Intel campus could do a very long time ago. They're right. on a fairground with their 600 people. Wow. Okay. Uh, and we're we're constantly growing. Um, one of the neat things is I, I spearhead Landfest Nationals, bringing on new chapters. Uh, I think in the last year we just brought on two new chapters, one out of Louisiana and uh, well, no, Tampa was previous year and then one out of uh atlanta georgia oh okay nice so we're definitely growing and that that's the, it really is a great thing for anybody who's out there who's interested in building a group uh, because we the chapter portion is where you want to be you're in a group you want to build a, a land fest event where you're having a dope land and making some money for charity land fest has that system in place to support them um, currently, I'm working with a group out of Houston to run a Houston event. Oh, nice. Uh, I'm not sure what when that's going to come into play. The venue that they had their eye on, unfortunately, got uh, flooded with those horrific rains a while back. Oh, yes. So they're still figuring out a venue, but Houston, fingers crossed, something soon. Um, we're also looking at maybe doing uh, the Austin group, doing uh, something down in San Antonio maybe in the spring. Yeah, they could use that too. Yeah, it, it, the real benefit is there's no real downside to doing these because mm -hmm. it's you show up, you pay. I think our ticket price is 25 bucks, which includes, uh, I think, two meals uh, plus a giant thing of soda. So Intel beautifully has their us in their um, cafeteria type area, and they refill refill the soda machine that we can use all weekend. Oh, that's very and, nice. Yeah, so you get food, you get drink, you get a hangout, have some tournaments. With, to charity uh I, for me it's that's what attracted me to Landfest to begin with because it's just a real easy and beautiful system that there's no downside to it yeah it definitely sounds great i mean um you talk about dreamhack and um you know one of the things that was a concern during those things is uh food and, and beverage and you know um somewhere to stay and and sleep uh i know that's a struggle for a lot of conventions 
Oh, absolutely. Especially DreamHack in Austin. And working with them as well. It's um, The downside to DreamHack being in Austin is the convention center there will not let them do on-site sleeping. Mm-hmm. Um, well, other convention centers, so like uh, our, the one where we run out of Atlanta and uh, up in Montreal here in September, they let us, they say, hey, people can sleep in the site, so we have a some security mm-hmm. and people bring sleeping bags. Yeah. Uh, and that'll be the same thing with uh, Landfest Austin. We have a dark corner that people can bring a sleeping bag and there's a few couches, but they're unless you're really short, they're not that great. Yeah. Because uh, uh, they're more for two people sitting, but jump on the ca- uh, bring a sleeping bag. That's what we usually do. Bring a sleeping bag and a blanket, and just when you're tired, jump in the corner, have a nap for a couple hours, then back to the gaming. So, um, over the t- uh, since you started working with uh, Landfest and and in Austin for, since 2013, what have you seen about the landscape of esports and gaming culture in Austin? How much does it change? Well, it, it, it has a radical change. Um, mm. Back in when I started, the only real main gaming thing was um, the South by South Gaming Expo. So, mm. And that was run out of, I believe, the Palmer Center at that time. And it was it was okay, but it was not like something that people were like going to in droves. Okay. Um, we've seen South by Southwest kind of start to grow up in their gaming side now they're they're actually run out of the main convention center now right um that was a lot to uh i don't know if you've met him uh, when you were around at dreamhack the justin burnham really big guy tattoos he fed yeah. that uh growth for a number of years amazing bloke he now actually works for dreamhack oh, okay. um so there's been a lot of changes and those sort of things um we've seen a lot of really big names step up and like pushed the scene plus yeah. dreamhack coming in at uh 2016 was a major milestone mm. it, it went from you know a small little the biggest thing we had was the south by southwest to a dedicated gaming convention um because i also used to work Paxel, and they mm-hmm. had a little gaming room but uh that we did free play and byc but it just it, it's this there it, it's grown because we it has competition and dreamhack is showing the way not, not to say DreamHack's perfect, obviously, but mm-hmm. that the fact of the big, just solely gaming coming into play with Austin as being was the hub, mm-hmm. and I think it still is. Right. Um, it, it really has helped grow the scene. We've seen a significant amount of more esports teams come into play. Uh, I know I, I'm not a hundred percent, but I know we have. Don't we have a Overwatch League team, or is that Houston? We don't. I Houston think, does. Houston does. Mm-hmm. All right. But still, though, Hugh, Texas has really grown into the scene um, mm-hmm. because previous to that, we didn't really have a lot. We had local league tournaments hosted by, um, I think they're Longhorn Gaming now. They used to be Texas uh, UT TESPA, but uh, oh, right. I'm right. still not yeah, 100% sure because the TESPA org still exists. Yeah, they're still figuring that. that out. Um, but that was really the biggest things we had. We had Pack South, which we would run BYC tournaments, um, which I actually ran them in 2016, actually, mm. um, for the BYC. And we would have like 30, 40 people sign up for a tournament to the point where it was not really worthwhile to do. Mm, okay. Because uh, like I'd have League of Legends and I'd only have two or three teams. So it's like, well, what do we do here? Right. Now we have, uh, I think the 
I don't have exact numbers right right in front of me, uh, but for DreamHack Austin, we had, I don't know, 30 or 40 teams for some of these big games. Right, yeah. Uh, so it, it's really been a growth, and Austin's showing to be, well, not just Austin, I'm thinking Texas is showing to be a real big hub for this. Yes. Um, because we've got the hub over in California with the, We've got DreamHack running out of Austin. We've mm -hmm. got a Overwatch thing in Houston with uh, Coma Paloozas opening up a bigger gaming group. Mm -hmm. And then we've got, uh, I just worked with these guys, Optic Gaming up in Dallas. Right, yeah. Uh, they're building Gaming. their venue. We just mm -hmm. actually ran with them. I, and this is just me doing contract work on the side. This wasn't affiliated with anybody this else. At, this is at Acon? Acon. We did the yeah. Fortnite thing. Okay, and that yeah. was impressive. Granted, Fortnite's still, like, I wish they had given us all of the tools that they <laughs> announced at uh, E3 earlier. Right, Because um, yeah. we, we had to jury-rig a system to make it work. But we still had, um, I think, throughout the day, we ran uh, games of 100, uh, it was actually, you know, 70 PCs, and those were full the entire day with a waiting line. Very it nice. shows how, like, the Austin area really has and not just Austin, but just Texas. Yes. Coming down from um, all of the surrounding states to come and do stuff in Texas. Yeah, definitely. Because there's nothing else in our region that's as big, which is super, super cool. Here's um, I, because of DreamHack in South by, uh, there was a big presence of uh, the Houston Outlaws, like you were talking before. Um, I was curious about the presence of the Dallas Fuel and if, uh, because they don't seem to be coming down to these events here in, in Austin. Um, if, if they're just set, if they're located in Dallas and they mostly do events up in North Texas or if they're thinking about coming down south to do events. So I, I haven't really worked a lot with the Dallas Fuel. Um, I think for right now, the big thing is that they, a lot of their needs are being met specifically with. Dallas has a huge amount of stuff going on. Mm -hmm. um, and as far as like a lot of that stuff, we haven't had, because they're a big team, we haven't had the big tournaments that make those pro guys come in. Because um, like for South By and DreamHack, for a lot of those tournaments, those are all BYOC stuff, right. um, which is great. But generally, they don't attract as much of the big teams. Mm-hmm. Uh, because they don't have the $100,000 prize pool. Because I don't think we've had uh, anything in Texas uh, Overwatch-oriented as far as it's like a pro something or other. No, I don't, I don't believe so. <clears throat> and I think that's going to be the big defining moment. If we want them to start moving around, I think it needs to be a pro Overwatch tournament for them to show up. Right. Um, Houston guys, they show up everywhere just because I think they just want to have fun. But yeah. the Dallas guys, they got a big new esports arena going on. Mm -hmm. And um, really, they don't have a need to come down yet until we show, have like in Austin or San Antonio or something, a pro Overwatch thing. Now, I don't know. Like, the one downside is, is because I'm only a contractor for DreamHack, I can't, I don't know what the next big thing that DreamHack will be doing in. Uh, wherever Austin's next year, whatever that's happening, because I'm right, not yeah. involved in that side. Mm -hmm. I'd love to have all the secret information to share, but unfortunately I don't. Um, yeah. But 
uh, I think they just did announce Overwatch for Atlanta, maybe and Montreal, something or other. Yeah. So they, we we will see them at those, but it really is going to take those big prize pools to get uh, to see those both the fuel and the outlaws show up in an event. Definitely. Because um, we it's great to engage the amateur scene, and as far as has it. Uh, um, we've got uh, Sandland as well. So there, there's a whole bunch of stuff for just the average couple hundred bucks. Uh, we just did a massive Rocket League tournament that some actual pros showed up to out of the Google Fiber Center uh, in Central Austin. Yes, yeah. A couple of weeks ago. And that was a lot of fun. Um, so the, the options are there, but those are going to be primarily more targeted at your, you know, your players who are great, but they're not like on a pro team. Because dealing with the pros, they're great, and it, it, it's what makes the viewers show up. But mm -hmm. those guys usually don't get out of bed for out for without the big prize pool. Right, that's true. Um, but it's good to have both, I think, in our kind of region. Yeah, definitely. You and I, uh, you know, I actually, I told you how I came across the LandFest event. Uh, one of our followers had retweeted the uh, one of the posts that had gone out about the LandFest being official and it'll be going on this year. Um, but we actually had connections through Brennan Settles, who's uh, been doing a lot of the Uconnect stuff out of uh, out of Austin. And uh, I, I'm he has a collegiate portion of that that he's involved in. Um, where do you see the college uh, esports athletes uh, in the future? Do you think it'll be similar to what we see with traditional sports? That I think is kind of tough. Um, the reason behind that is if you look at, we've only got if you look at the the esports games, we've only got two or three games that were around in the esports scene five or six years ago, right? Mm -hmm. The issue with a lot of the college stuff is is that when you're in a college basketball player, mm -hmm. you learn how to play it. You go to college for your four years while doing that. And the idea being is, is basketball still going to be around when you graduate so you can go into outside of the college pro scene to the bigger pro scene. Yes. The issue with a lot of these esports stuff is, is that, oh, I want to be a PUBG pro. Mm -hmm. So I go and I take the eSports degree and I spend the four years. The scary part of that is is, is that PUBG may not be around. Yes. Uh, that's going to be the big thing is, is we've got – for eSports to really survive, those programs, and I, I'm seeing them evolve, but they, they need to not just be focusing on the guy's – playing the one game they need to make sure their skill set is around a certain genre or something so they can keep going in that esports scene if for example the the the, the popular games that make the money change yes. i know um a couple of the pros i worked with fortnite uh some of those guys came over from halo mm -hmm. yeah and while a lot of the skills are kind of transferable it it's important for those players to really make sure that they can move from one to another Mm -hmm. um, and with that, that scene's going to be the esports scene's going to be very fluid, but it's still a valuable scene. Um, we see multiple companies starting to pop up now. Uh, Uconnect's one of them. Uh, 
I was chatting to a guy who's working on, uh, I think it's called Geeks, with a few X's in there somehow. Okay. And they're working on a collegiate thing. It, it's all very big and popular, and there's going to be a lot of companies trying to get involved in that. Mm -hmm. uh, the thing is, is that the winner is going to have to be very sure that they keep fluid on the scene because basketball doesn't change, mm -hmm. but the popular sport for esports will. Right. Yeah. Um, yeah. Because well, we've seen at least in the past, mm, I guess a year now, because Fortnite it's uh, had its birthday two days ago, or yesterday or something like that, and yeah, uh, I think so. we've had six i want to say six battle royale games come out uh well five and then call of duty is coming out in november yep but we saw that not just with battle royale we saw that the previous generation with the call of duty clones then mm -hmm. uh when world of warcraft was popular it was a i don't know i think there was there's like 10 or 12 mmos mm -hmm. uh there was a warhammer one that lasted like six months oh yeah and, yeah yeah <laughs> so that, that's going to be the tough thing is, is that we, we as a gaming industry and some of the devs a lot of these publishers are trend chasing instead of developing trends which is a scary thing mm -hmm. because well there's only going to be one two top games in a in a genre right right you, you have a, the game that the esports game that everyone's playing and the other ones die off like right. the Culling Two, for example, was a PUBG game type game. Mm -hmm. They just refunded everybody because it didn't do anything better, and it was pretty mediocre. Oh, and a, there's a lot of games out uh, there doing the battle royale that die off. Um, H1Z1. There's that one. Uh, H1Z1. There was the one that does the by the guys who did Lawbreakers. Uh, that game. The name of the game escapes me at this exact moment. Uh, Cliff mm. Bazinski. Um, you had that. Uh, it was his thing, Radical Heights. That's what it was called. Okay. That game's dead now, um, because they're tracing trends, and that's that's going to be a difficulty. Is is that for as a dealing with the devs is they've got to be making sure they're not. Um, and that that makes a big scary thing for esports because. They're going to be companies throwing money at, oh, uh, we have the new game and no right. one's playing it, but we'll throw money at it to try to get a, to try to get an esports thing. Um, yeah. Lawbreakers did that. Uh, from Free Play with DreamHack, they gave me uh, Lawbreakers on all my Steam accounts and had a thing with the devs event to try to get people to play. Mm. And yeah, it really works for our event organizers because we get money to do cool stuff, but it doesn't save mm -hmm. the game. Yeah, that um, I I don't know if you had a chance to see it. Dreamhack that game, uh, Worm, Worm Wormhole Wars. Um, I think I walked past it, but I was pretty stuck in the free play most of the time. I was at Dreamhack Austin. Right, right. Um, yeah, this uh this game Wormhole Wars, or they changed the name recently. I, I I'm not sure what they changed it to. Um, it it looks very reminiscent of a Portal Two. Uh, Halo, Halo uh, mashup kind of game um, with some Quake aspects to it as well. Um, it it's, it looks like it has a competitive uh, competitive scene that it could be built out of. But you know we've got I, I feel like there's only there's three main 
competitive scenes right now. That's the the MOBAs, the uh, battle royales, and then uh, the card games like Hearthstone and and coming soon um, Architect are uh, are mm-hmm. Artifact. Sorry, not Architect. Uh, artifact. What do you think about um, some of these? Um, what are they called? Um, big uh, publishers like Blizzard, and um, they they just have the market to make. Uh, any game at this point um, and and be the top dog there's these small developers I mean Fortnite is not a small developer um, but rel- or it is not a small developer but relatively compared to a Riot or a Blizzard it is yeah it, it's a tough call because like if you look at a lot of the Blizzard games like Heroes of the Storm mm-hmm. it's not a bad game mm-hmm. but the only reason it's kept to float not to be mean to the guys who love here is the storm i play it regularly mm-hmm. but the reason that that's kept to float is because blizzard has floated so much money um keep the game in the popularity sphere mm-hmm. um they throw so much money to run those big clashes in the esports scene yeah but it, it never had the following of um, like League of Legends or anything like that. So it's tough for the small devs to do it because to break through, especially with Steam being the awful quagmire that it is to find new games, right. you've got to have that big money for the marketing, mm-hmm. which is sad because you know that's really not what should make a good game is the marketing. But those big developers, they can throw out a, ga- a game and put enough money into it that people will play it no matter what. Mm-hmm. Because it's got the name recognition, and it's got the marketing money. Yeah, well, that's I, I think it's it, it is difficult to define to find new games, and I think that it's as difficult in the influencer spectrum to find new influencers, uh, both athletes and content creators, um, because there's no um, unless it is competitive, unless they make these platforms like Steam and and uh, and YouTube and and different platforms competitive and there being some sort of hierarchy or ranking system, uh, which there is, but it's difficult to find out what is trending in both those and see who's downloading the games the most organically because those uh, those numbers can be manipulated through things like you were saying, like the bigger the developer, the more money that can be spent on the, on the influencer or, or the game. Oh, absolutely. It's 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 tough. Um, like having dealt with a few indie devs in the past, it's it's they always are like it's a struggle. Mm -hmm. And I know the Switch was actually really great for a while there for them, um, because it wasn't it was really easy to get featured and get their games off the ground. But that's slowly getting overloaded too. It's a it's a tough world out there. Um, there's a lot of really great games that fly under their radar just because they don't have that. Um, and that's why I love seeing these guys like at the shows, trying to like being there and like showing their game in person. It's not about the marketing; it's about hey, you guys are here. Sit down and see how actually great. And that's really what it should be not you know a giant sixty foot picture of the call of duty guy in the middle of times square but it, it it's it's a not something that any of us really have the ability to change and right. it the same's on the influencer spectrum um i i know a couple good influencers that they've swapped over to fortnite because the games that they genuinely enjoyed 
they weren't getting the numbers that they wanted out of them. Right, yeah. Um, they didn't switch over to Fortnite because they loved Fortnite. They switched over because they needed to. Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. And that's, that, that's tough. Yeah, it is, especially when you, you, you've invested so much uh, time and, and resources into uh, building a community around a game. Uh, and to see the com- the community uh, w- doesn't doesn't um, return that investment to to you it's, it, it is difficult and and Fortnite obviously um, from from an influencer perspective has uh, grown tremendously over a short t- period of time um, it there while a lot of um, a lot of people speculate that it's due to, you know, you can spend more time looking at the graphics of Fortnite than many other games because it's more, uh, it's easier on the eyes than uh, a lot of these harsher games like uh, like P- PUBG, which have very harsh color tones and stuff like that. Oh, absolutely. Um, like, we look at some of the older games going back in the years, you look at games like Borderlands and... Mm-hmm that sort of thing the the more cartoony thing has always been very popular because as you said it's easier mm-hmm. to look at it with the brighter colors and it it's also gives more of a chill almost chill kind of feel to it mm-hmm. in PUBG you're you know it's the dark the gritty you know there's that it's tense but like in Fortnite you're looking bright colors there's the llamas that make funny noises you, mm-hmm. you're building like crazy towers in the sky that aren't even really real yeah. so it's a, it's appealing not just to a wider audience but it's also less of a stressful game mm-hmm. fortnite may be hardcore yes in a sense of the pro scene but it doesn't feel hardcore for say some you know kid who wants to just play it mm-hmm. yeah and th- that's really where it, it differentiates with pubg pubg you, anyone sitting down to play it it feels like a serious game. Mm-hmm. Not that there's anything wrong with that, mind you. There's a place for both, I think, in our gaming sphere. Yeah, I mean, casual gaming and non-competitive gaming, I think there is. Um, and so, which way do you think that'll be... I mean, I think both will co- exist, but from a franchising point of for new developers and also an open, open source... Uh, you know, community-based system. Which way do you think that it'll be favored more in future esports competitions? Um, so I I have actually spent some time chatting with both uh, the PUBG devs and the esports guys. Um, I was very fortunate. DreamHack sent me over to uh, their Sweden event in 2017, so I got to spend some time chatting with uh, the PUBG devs, and then I met him again at uh, Atlanta. And they're they're not bad blokes, but they they don't seem to be putting as much effort into the esports scene as they should. Mm-hmm. Um, while Fortnite is 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 only slowly catching up, as mm-hmm. I told you, doing that um, event up in Dallas at Acon was awful because we didn't have the tools to do it. To, yeah. But they're working very very hard to develop everything that could possibly be needed to get a. Um, esports scene. Um, they just added all of the, the spectator modes. They made the custom servers not terrible. Mm-hmm. Um, they're working very hard to foster that. Plus, they're throwing a lot more money in the PUBG does. Mm-hmm. 
Um, especially with that whole thing with the, the two different battle passes. I don't know if you followed that controversy thing where uh, the Fortnite's battle pass is a lot simpler and easier and versus the PUBG one, which is a lot slower to earn stuff. And certain things you earn in this battle pass that you pay for only last like a certain amount of time. So the items disappear out of your inventory. I see. So it's, it's missteps like that that's really going to make Fortnite the longer lasting game in my mm-hmm. um, and we're already seeing that with Fortnite they got the was 10 million dollars they're putting towards esports over the next couple of years right uh, uh, 10 million or 100 million Might uh, it's one of the two yeah, yeah I know it's a lot of money yeah um, uh, I mean I think you're right maybe a hundred million but that's really what's seen going right yeah players are going to stick around because they know that they're going to make big bucks. Right, yeah, and then they, they did the million dollar uh, charity giveaway for um, the E3 tournament, right? Yep. Yeah, so so where do you see uh, the future of esports going um, and what, uh, what type of uh, marketing and brand deals do you see for future developers and influencers? So I think the big thing is, is we've seen um, it grow even over the last couple of years. We're seeing more and more of the the kind of the tours. Um, so as we're seeing the big um, ev- gaming events start mm-hmm. to pop up, so like the Dream Hacks, uh, I know PAX is working on upgrading their esports side. We've got oh, South really? by Southwest, mm-hmm. uh, Palooza's doing theirs too. We've got a whole bunch of ones all over the country. I think we're going to see a lot more of the tours where it's um, we have a giant tournaments mm-hmm. that with pro players that are spread over multiple events. So, like, the entry is at, uh, say, whatever the first one is of the year. So maybe it's South by Southwest or something right, like yeah. that. And then the bigger and bigger qualifiers with the bigger go down until – the end of the year the biggest one mm-hmm. finals happen or more or less, they'll probably be their own because like blizzard does blizzcon that sort of thing uh blizzard's been doing it very well they'll do um like uh mid-season qualifiers and all that at those events and we're starting to see that yes uh, for starting to see those and then they have their finals at blizzcon mm-hmm. um i believe uh, counter-strike's doing the same thing to an extent so I really feel that's going to be a big growth, and we see we probably will see a few more shows come into the gaming space. I know um, as part of doing the free play shows for DreamHack at like comic book conventions, mm-hmm, yeah, the big part of their bringing us in is because they want to get into that esports space. Yes, um, because while I, I don't know any numbers behind it, my understanding from chatting to these guys is they're seeing a good overlap by people who are interested in the anime and the comic books and the people who are interested in gaming. Right, yeah. I don't know what the numbers look like there, but it's significant enough for these conventions to be like, okay, we need comic book spot in our show, and we need a gaming foot shop spot. Yes. Um, so it, it's going to change. I think we're going to, after a while, end up in a saturated market as far as this, and it's gonna we're going to have a bubble. Mm-hmm. And then we're going to go back to more of a stable thing where it's 
we have a, I don't know, five or ten throughout the year, and that's where it works out. Because that, that's the difficulty with these shows is yeah. that the um, average attendee for these shows is uh, male. Uh, I think it's like 18 to 32 or something along those lines. I mm. forget from the briefings I've got. But that's the average amount. And, well, you know, the college student and the graduated college student who's now making okay money is making money. They mm -hmm. don't – and it's uh, – these sort of uh, traveling to DreamHack or any of these events, packs, it costs money. Mm -hmm. It costs a lot of money. Um, uh, I know a mate of mine, he's, he, they're going to Quake. Um, so, like, the, they have to pay 800 or something dollars just for the hotel room for the, the week. Yes. And that's cheap. And that's not including their flight and travel. Mm -hmm. So there, these people who are the target audience, unless we figure out how how to these events figure out how to widen their audience scope, which they're working on it, but they're not quite there yet. Right. Uh, they're going to be a limitation on the amount of like it's a, a limited pool of people at the current time. Mm -hmm. Yeah. Um, well, I just went to the um, the anime convention Okashi Con, and you. You mentioned you mentioned that they're starting to do that, and they happen to have uh, have a free to play area, and they did a couple different tournaments during the time that that the the event was going on. Um, n none for none for any prizes, but um, but it, but it is something to say that you won something. But it seemed that they were focusing uh, more on console gaming. So I think I do think that the there's a place for these. Uh, comic conventions and anime conventions with comic, with uh, the fighting games, uh, old school classic games, and uh, console games in general. I, I'm not too sure that they'll have space for um, for land fest or land festivals or land based games. It, it definitely is uh, something that it, it it consoles are significantly easier to do. Um, a group I've worked with, uh, they're called Gaming Gen. They do most of those. Mm -hmm. uh, they just rock up with the consoles and show. Uh, they just basically rent the consoles to these shows. They rock up, show, set them up for them. Mm -hmm. uh, consoles are much easier to do, um, mm -hmm. and there, there's, there's good. That's a great way to get in, um, and there's nothing, no downside to doing it because uh, right, yeah. they're not super expensive to run. Uh, especially with the convention centers, internet is very expensive at convention centers. Mm -hmm. um, like insanely expensive. Uh, most of the convention centers around, uh, they use a service called Smart City, which mm -hmm. is a thousand bucks a megabit, mm -hmm. which is just nasty. So consoles are a definite great way to go because a lot of the fighting games you can play locally. A thousand um, bucks a megabit, that is wild. Yeah. <laughs> um, that's why a lot of these shows you'll see like two or three networking guys running around like a chicken because um, like for example, the Acon show that I ran, the show at Acon, the Optic Arena event, I, we were running a hundred PCs off a twenty meg connection, mm -hmm. because the to go to fifty, it'd be another thirty thousand dollars. Um, no, uh. it is possible with things like uh, in caching, which is where you you uh, redirect the Steam traffic so it's it downloads locally and uh, limiters to be able to do stuff like that, but. Yeah, the, the cost is significantly higher for PC gaming. Mm -hmm. But I'm, I've seen multiple shows trying to do it. Um, I've uh, I'd taken our kit to um, five or six shows over the last couple of years that wanted it. Uh, Comapalooza down in Houston, 
Then we had Anime Mitsuri, also in Houston, uh, Momocon. I feel like I'm forgetting one. There's another one I've done. But there's a few different those type of conventions mm-hmm. um, that really like that sort of thing because evidently they believe that that's what the next big thing is. Console's there and PC gaming's there too now. Mm-hmm. Uh-huh. I don't know whether that's really going to be the way to do it mm-hmm. because the big thing is a lot of these places are in convention centers that it's tough to do. Right. Yeah. Uh, the reason that DreamHack doesn't have uh, like convention doesn't isn't in certain places is because the convention centers can't do the internet and power that they need. Mm-hmm. That's one of the biggest things that comes down to why DreamHack picks where it picks. Picked Austin because Austin doesn't have that smart city uh, system where it's a thousand dollars a megabit. Uh, right. Same with Atlanta, but. It's a tough thing. I think that they're going to keep trying now, mm-hmm. uh, at least for the in both the PC and console space for all of these uh, anime and comic book conventions. Whether or not it'll work out for all of them, I don't think so. Uh, but they definitely look like they're trying. Yeah, definitely. Um, with DreamHack, especially this past year, um, the amount of cons- the consumption of power is is. Uh, is a concern obviously um oh yeah they blew a transformer yeah see Uh, (laughs) yeah it's i i wasn't directly involved um but i uh, part of being on the dreamhack slack and i i was running around figure out what was going on basically the long story short on that one is that um each of the rows was Mm -hmm. on a separate circuit but multiple circuits are connected to multiple transformers mm-hmm. so basically what happened is the the power kept going out and they kept just resetting the transformer mm-hmm. but what happened the transformer was just buggered so what they needed to do is actually replace the thing oh, uh, that's yeah. why there was so much power issues is because that it, it came down to dreamhack would the power go out dreamhack guy would uh, run down there and be like hey the power's out and they would flick the, they would turn it off and back on again Oh, it worked for a while until the power consumption spiked in a certain way mm-hmm. that would cause it to trip back. Eventually, after I think it was like mid-Saturday before yeah. I forget exactly when, um, because I was caught in a lot of the earlier power thing with my area mm-hmm. because the originally our network operation center, which is all the network was run off, was mm-hmm. on that circuit, but they moved it off. Oh, okay. um, they ended up physically replacing the transformer. Um, which took a lot of screaming at the convention center to do. Yeah, um, I can imagine. Those sort of transformers are insanely expensive. Yeah. But, you know, the amount of money that DreamHack pays to a convention center like that, yeah. they got to do it. And unfortunately, they got to do it faster than they, they should. I can't imagine that. Like, the... don't get me wrong. I'm not going to say, oh, DreamHack does nothing wrong. Right. Um, but the issue with the power there. That was not really on them. No, I can't. Um, I wouldn't have never blamed them, and I, I I couldn't can't imagine that the convention or DreamHack would have imagined that that many people would have turned out, and that that would have happened. Uh, well, no, we they knew quite a far ahead of time what we were expecting as far as numbers. Um, the thing is, is then it it was just a power issue. The issue with these a lot of these convention centers is they move very very slowly. Mm-hmm. Um, it it's not. 
an issue where they weren't expecting it or anything like that. It's mm-hmm. when they're they have guys around to help when things break, mm-hmm. but they move very very slowly. Um, a good example of that is when we're setting up for DreamHack Austin this year. Um, we had internet to a lot of our areas significantly slower than we wanted to for setup, which slowed down our setup time significantly. Mm-hmm. Uh, if you had popped by the free play area you'd, on Friday, you would have noticed that half the roads weren't open because they hadn't been configured. Right. Yeah. Um, the reason behind that is, is previous DreamHack, we ran our own fiber to our areas just across the roof with a cherry picker. Oh, okay. This year, they, they didn't... They have... They put in... Um, little tubes down underneath the floors mm-hmm. which meant when we needed a network run we had to get them to do it oh wow okay. that that slowed down the process because our network guy our main network guy was basically just sitting there waiting on him most of the time mm. uh, it, it's a tough thing because like there are not to disparage unions because unions do great things but it's a union thing where it's those convention centers, their unions are a little warped in the sense that they don't really have any way to light a fire under their butts mm. um, to get stuff accomplished. Right. Uh, and there's a lot of issues with that. Like we, when we have trucks come in, we're not allowed to unload the trucks to ourselves for unless we have a certain rulings or that because the unions want to be paid to move the stuff off the trucks. Little things like that make it really tough to do conventions like this. Mm-hmm. Um, but in the long run, most of our attendees wouldn't even notice. Um, I definitely recommend if you're really anyone's interested in the whole thing, uh, doing a, a volunteer for DreamHack or PAX, mm-hmm. and then show up during setup because it really will change your whole outlook on how an event works. For Seeing sure. behind the curtain is interesting. <laughs> yeah, I can't imagine the the type of uh, type of work that goes into that um, is is easy. Um, and I'm sure it's extremely time-consuming. Yeah, but it's also worth it. Like, um, at the recent DreamHack, just to see the, like, going from empty floor to that two-story PUBG stage was just amazing. Um, to just see this, to see basically a small little, uh, like, town almost just pop up over two days is just, it, it's something else. Yeah, it is, definitely. Well, I'm gonna uh, I'm gonna let you let you go. I uh, appreciate you coming and ch- having a chat with us, and uh, I can't wait to see what happens with Landfest. Um, it it seems like an incredibly good event for Austin, and it can provide a place for local Austin gamers to grow and uh, potentially become professional gamers or turn gaming into a career. Good influencers there. Uh, if anyone's interested, it's running from August uh, 24th to 26th. And to register, you just go to landfest.intel.com. Awesome. Is there a place that we can uh, find yourself and maybe the Landfest social media? Uh, so, simple enough, on our lovely Landfest page, uh, if you go to our Austin event, it'll have the links to our Discord and our Facebook group. Uh, and you can... If you go into our Discord, I'll be right there, right at the top. My gamer name is Magical Zorse. What was the uh, Discord uh, name again? Uh, Landfest Austin. Uh, the link would be Discord GG. Uh, we got the custom thing slash Lfest Austin. Awesome. Hey, I can't wait to meet you in person. I appreciate you coming on the show, and uh, look right. forward to speaking with you in the future. Thanks for your time, mate. All right, take it easy, Chris. <laughs>